The Tuffle Commute, Season 2, Episode 5, Translate, in which we talk about todo lo que se refiere a la traducción, everything about translation. Let's get started. You're listening to the Tefl Commute Podcast. It is said, do you want to play football? He couldn't really understand me. Well, I don't speak Spanish. Glenn speaks a wee bit. Hola. <laughs> That's about it. I've been using Google Translate and work, so I thought I'd just give Gary the app on my phone. Go play left-hand side, okay? That's the breakthrough we needed. Hi, Sean. Hi, Lindsay. So, um, Google Translate makes you play football better. Is that, is that yes? Is I that think cool? that's the message that we can uh, derive. We just played for our listeners here um, at the top of the show a clip from um, a commercial we found online for Google Translate, uh, the latest, uh, latest and greatest uh, translation software um, that's out now that is recognizing voice as well as um, text inputted on a phone or indeed photos of text uh, and can translate them. Uh, it's bringing, uh, bringing communities closer together. Yes. Uh, translate. Um, what we want to talk about in today's episode is a little bit about translation software, um, what's, how it is, what's coming, uh, you know, what, what, what is the state of it now, um, how this relates to language teaching, uh, and we're going to touch on a few other fun things about translation. But let me start by asking you, Sean, do, have you used Google Translate? I have. Um, yeah, I've got Google Translate on my phone, and I've used. I've actually used Google Translate with students as well. But I mean, as a per, personally, I've got Google Translate on my phone, which I use from time to time. Uh, like, I mean, as as listeners know, we travel a lot, and I do find it quite handy uh, to to use from time to time, especially with menus. Um, but it's something I've always been interested in because. Um, I like augmented reality and um, well the sad techie bit is that Google Translate bought an app called Word Lens a couple of years ago which which basically uh, if you held over any picture I think it was Spanish and French it automatically changed the language into English and I, I find that fascinating and Google Translate bought it and it's now part of Google Translate itself so um, kind of the, 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 the mobile user geeky me likes Translate but also as a traveller it is it is fun or useful to type it in here and there. I get, do you use it? Um, um, I've used it a couple of times. Um, I've never gotten to the point of using it like holding up the phone, saying something, and then have the phone say it to the person. I've not yeah. I've not gone that far. Probably just it just seems it would just take that extra time for me to like pull the phone out, do that, and it kind of would interrupt the things. I would probably be gesturing more. What about, I mean, there's Google is uh, big in the translate uh, fields, um, but also Skype now. Skype has Skype instant translation. Have you tried that? I'm not, it's, it's, it's only in beta, isn't it? I've only, I've, yeah. I haven't tried it, but I've sort of kept abreast of what's, what's happening with it. If I remember rightly, it's most fluent in Portuguese. Okay. It's, I, I can't. I think I was. Uh, That's the last thing I saw. Um, yeah, these two things are the death of language teaching, aren't they? Well, 
That's interesting. I mean, I used to be very uh, skeptical of machine translation when students used to have the, um, lots of my students used to have these little, like they were kind of Casio type calculators, like long, thin, oh, black yeah. machines with little keyboards on them. And they would use those uh, a lot in class. And I would always be warning them, mm, don't depend on this. Uh, it's just a word for word translation. But recently I've, I've, you know, seen stuff from Google Translate uh, get a lot better, better at recognizing phrases, chunks, formula language, um, and just and just getting the tone a bit better. That being said, I can still usually tell if a student submits something to me that has been done through a machine translation. Can't you? Can isn't there something about it? That you can There's can something do? just the, the stylistically that you could tell has come from the machine, can't you? I it's think the word would probably for me would be uncanny. There's a little bit of uncanniness, and it just feels like not not human type mistake. I, I don't know what it is, but maybe even that will be getting better soon. I'm not sure, but it is. Uh, Recently, um, on the, from the recording of this episode, there had been a, a, a webinar, I think, or an online uh, event called The Future of ELT. Oh, and, yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Scott Thornbury, who was a guest on last uh, our last episode, actually called this online translation the elephant in the room when talking about the future of ELT. So do you think this is going to eventually reduce the need for teachers, that's, I suppose, one of the quests for language teachers. That's one of the questions many of us might be asking ourselves. It's about. funny, isn't it? Does that, does that mean being um, doing the rounds for years? Like, technology uh, won't replace teachers, but teachers that don't use technology will or something. I can't remember. Do you know what I'm talking about? And yeah. it's, it's, I don't think it's exactly that. <laughs> I think you said teachers who don't... The way you said it sounds like teachers who don't use technology will replace technology. But I, 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 I think I understand the meme. <laughs> I think our listeners understand the meme as well. It's all... I'll yeah. find it and I'll put it on the... And I, I, I think when that meme came out, it was probably true. But I guess there is a there is a danger that if translation gets so instantaneous that, you know, I mean, this idea of the Skype conversation is that I could... As we're talking on Skype, now uh, and we're both using English but I mean Skype are aiming that you could speak be speaking Spanish and me speaking English and we'd understand each other instantaneously which I think you know if you think of a lot of our a lot of the, the students that we teach are learning uh, for business uh, for business communication and so on I, I can't see how it won't have an effect on that you, you? Yeah. no I, I, th I think it can I mean we could argue also that you know tr tr translation has always been a part of, of, of language teaching, even though for the past, well, one could argue it's only been over the past sort of almost hundred years that it got, uh, that it went through a period of having a bit of a bad name, um, you know, banning the use of the student's own language in class, no translation in class, it would get in the way of sort of thinking in the foreign language. But it's, I think it's always been a part of, um, of language teaching. Do you use translation in class? I have done um, with. Um, I, I, I've worked in monolingual. I've worked in more monolingual than multilingual classrooms, mm -hmm. and um, I think translation. I always felt translation was easier in a monolingual classroom, uh, and even where I've not spoke the language fully, I still think you can use translation as a as a tool. I always found it interesting if all the students were saying the same word, then they were all you know they were they were translating words from. Uh, L1 to L2 and if they all came up with the same word then they were probably all right or I guess all wrong so yes uh, yeah I, I have and there are lots of interesting translation it's kind of like translations become back into fashion now hasn't yeah, it I think it has I mean 
uh, it's uh, that just brings me it brings us nicely onto this next little clip that I wanted to share with you. Uh, when you said translations back into fashion, I think a couple of books have helped bring it back into fashion, including the latest one, which is an award-winning book um, by Philip Kerr called Translation in Own Language Activities, which is uh, great, full of activities uh, incorporating translation, including machine and Google translation. I've used this quite a, a, a few times, some of the activities. Um, why don't we hear from him telling us a little bit about how translate, how, like the, a brief history of translation in language teaching. If you wanted to learn a language in 16th century Western Europe, one way of doing so was to go to a language school or get a private tutor. Among the most fashionable and influential educators of the time were the Valencian scholar Juan Luis Vives and the English scholar Roger Ascham. Vives and Ascham both recommended extensive use of reverse or back translation, and this is an activity that involves translating a text from one language to another and then back again. Not everyone agreed with them. The Fleming, Nicholas Kleinarts, claimed that he taught his students in what could be described as a 16th century precursor of the direct method. He used only Latin to teach Latin, and he claimed good results for his method. There is, however, ample testimony to the greater popularity of the approach of Vives and Asham. On the other side of the Mediterranean, in Istanbul, which was the largest city of the Western world at that time, there were schools for translators and interpreters, dragomans as they were known. In newly conquered South America, the conquistadors and missionaries needed interpreters, and these were trained. Learning a language and translating between two languages were inextricably linked activities. From this time on, the steady growth in school provision across Europe, at least for boys, was accompanied by the teaching of Latin and Greek, the classical languages so beloved of Renaissance scholars. Known as grammar translation, the standard classroom approach entailed translation of extracts from classical authors, combined with writing exercises. When modern languages began to replace Latin and Greek in the curriculum in the 19th century, the teaching methodology remained largely unchanged. In some contexts, even today, grammar translation remains the norm. There were, however, some who questioned the appropriacy of this approach, and the beginning of the debate about the use of the learner's own language can be traced to this period. The beginning of the 20th century saw a growing market for language schools, not least because of the development of rapid international transport. By the end of the century, these schools had grown into a multi-billion dollar global business. By and large, they have tried to distinguish themselves from language teaching in state-run institutions, both secondary and tertiary, where the use of the student's own language is much more common. Precise figures are hard to come by, because we rely on teachers reporting their own practices. But it would seem that the use of translation remains the norm in university teaching around the world. In secondary and primary schools, it's reasonable to assume that elements of translation or own language use are unavoidable. There are, however, some important exceptions. The other work, you said there were two ways, I guess the other work you referred to was Guy Cook. 
Yes. Um, yeah, Phil mentions Guy Cook's work on translation. Uh, translation is that translation and language teaching? I think it's called. Yeah, I, I got Guy was speaking at a conference I organized a, a few years ago. I remember, and it was it was kind of to a group of people who's organized the International House Organization, and of course they it's through what they started doing in the 1950s, and he stood up and said it was basically Kosovo's that translation died, you know, <laughs> because oh because the, the all these teachers on their four week courses uh, didn't speak the language of the the students so language got banned as a, the, the use of L1 got banned in uh, because of the four weeks uh, yeah. well to sort of justify the fact that you could do, become a language teacher in such a short amount of time and then go teach anywhere in the world without learning the lang language Absol absolutely yeah but it was kind of yeah. amusing um, kind of discussing you know telling this room of people uh, you know and then this the realization there is actually very little research into uh, you know that everybody's talking saying you know you should use only L1 and I still find it fascinating wearing one of my hats as a kind of school inspector you go into schools where there's like English only English and oh you can't can't speak um, you can't speak the L1 you've got to be in English in the classroom and I always think say well when I was learning language I you know I if I was learning Czech I still had to rely on English sometimes I just mainly yeah. as a safety net you know as a oh, stress yeah. relief definitely of course I mean uh, segueing back into translation and translation devices, um, I think this has been like, I, I found a really interesting thing I'd like to share with you. Um, you know, we were talking at the top of the show about, uh, Skype and Google and, and, and talking into devices and, and, and them translating it. Does that feel sort of, uh, freaky or not, it's been a long dream of science fiction um, to include a universal translation. I have a list here of, of a few of them I just wanted to share with you, Sean. I think uh, you and I being sci-fi sci fans and geeks a bit uh, will, will appreciate this. Here are some of the more well-known um, English language shows that have used, uh, talks about universal translators. Uh, so Doctor Who, um, in the Doctor Who TV show, the TARDIS uses a telepathic field which translates most comprehensible languages into a language understood by its pilot and each of the crew members. Yeah, it's a wonderful little plot device, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. It says also the field also translates what they say into a language appropriate for that time. So remember, they travel in time in Doctor Who. So they speak the appropriate dialect of Latin when in ancient Rome. Yes, exactly. I mean, I'm obviously Doctor Who. I'm a massive Whovian, so this is something. It's something I do. It does make me laugh. I laugh uh, how much that is a plot device. But yes, and if oh, you well, travelled in, like if you travelled in the, the TARDIS, and you can, then if you've been in the TARDIS, then you automatically pick up this uh, the the translation ability. So yeah, I mean, the, another one is another British one, a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. This is quite a, a, a well-known one. The universal translation is made possible by a small fish called a babelfish. In fact, if you stop there, I can play yes. it. The babelfish is small, yellow, leech-like, and probably the oddest thing in the universe. It feeds on brainwave energy, absorbing all unconscious frequencies and then excreting telepathically a matrix formed from the conscious frequencies and nerve signals picked up from the speech centers of the brain. The practical upshot of which is that if you stick one in your ear, you instantly understand anything said to you in any form of language. Right, so the fish 
is inserted into the ear where it feeds off the mental frequencies of those speaking to the host. And it excretes a translation. I love the way they describe those on Wikipedia. It excretes a translation into the brain of the host. So it's like leaking into your brain. Yes, I, I also, I, um, here we have uh, Neuromancer. Uh, I don't know Neuromancer. No, it's uh, it's the William Gibson's like cyberpunk. Punk oh, oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I was thinking of TV and, show. No, and this one here, it's like um, small chips are plugged behind uh, the user's ear, giving them certain knowledge. Oh, okay. um, and finally, one of the really well-known ones, of course, is Star Trek, uh, the Universal Translator. So, um, so th these, th this is uh, how does it work? But, that, um, but, that, but that's quite an interesting one. Let me, let me, let me, uh, let's just uh, have a clip of that. Universal Translator is coming online, sir. Ugly. Ugly. Giant. Bags of mostly water. Bags of mostly water? An accurate description of humans, sir. You are over 90% water surrounded by a flexible container. And I think... You, I, I think... Um... That, that highlights another point. Uh, well, two things. I think these things are very close, or obviously, I mean, Google Translate and Skype are getting closer, they're closer and closer to, to this this science fiction dream, wouldn't, yes. you, wouldn't you say? I would, and, yeah, definitely. And this idea of actually having a chip, I, I don't think is, is uh, a strange one anymore anyway. Because you've got, I mean, you've, there's been a number of instances this year where people have, have been... Um, chipping themselves is that what we would say <laughs> putting a putting a chip uh you know into the into their arms and that will activate certain technologies i mean as as wearable technology is becoming more uh, more sophisticated um then i can't see it being a a big leap from kind of taking taking a chip that you can embed that will translate for you well, it's interesting also that the technology seems to be going more in the way of the what uh, of these shows that i mentioned uh, the, like the babel fish in your ear the 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 neuromancer uh, chip the um as opposed to what star wars did because if we remember star wars the translator is often, um, or the role, is not of something inserted into a person. It's often done via C-3PO. So yeah, via a droid, side. who yes. you could almost think of is like the modern version of what Philip was talking about, is about the Dragomans, the, the translator. So C-3PO is like kind of like whatever, the, the diplomatic um, aid mm. that, that, that you walk around with. Whereas I, it looks like um, they're not building kind of robot-type things that would communicate for you, but trying to get closer and closer to something where you speak and then the other thing just comes out. Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. The other thing about that Star Trek um, quote, uh, that Star Trek clip that we played, is the uh, um, the bags of water. And I think that actually shows us where translation still has to go. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, and one of the things that I said at the beginning of the show is 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 the translator the death of language teaching? And I think the answer is probably still no, because these things aren't sophisticated enough to actually work out context, co-text, and 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 you know, um, meaning. Uh, in that level, yeah, they're just very much denotation rather rather than connotation devices. Yes, that's true. And of course, there will always be words which cannot be translated easily into another language. Um, I have another list that I 
would like to share with uh, with you, Sean, and with our I listeners. Like I do like lists. I'm a <laughs> list guy. But um, this is, these are if you look online, there's several kind of websites and lists and books and stuff on um, words, foreign words that do not exist in English. Uh, you know, just the right word for something, but it doesn't exist in English. Sachenfreude, I think, is one of the ones that is used in English. It's a German word meaning sort of pleasure at a friend's pain or something like that. Uh, yes, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But here are some other ones. Now, my apologies, by the way, to anyone who speaks these languages and says later and, and hears this and gets outraged because I've got it wrong. I've taken this from two websites, neither of which are perhaps that authoritative, um, but uh, we'll see. So here are some words. Words, uh, that foreign words that do not exist in English, but that would be great if they did. So here, uh, here's a, let's see the German. Let's start with the German one. Kummerspeck. 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 Kummerspeck is excess weight gained. Something to do with bacon. Yes, that's right. It's excess weight gained from emotional overeating, and literally it means grief bacon. I love <laughs> grief bacon. Um, Here's one from Georgian, shimomajamo, shimomajamo, uh, and um, this is this is this word means sort of um, like you're full but you can't stop eating. So uh, like that, that feeling when you're when you're really full but you just keep going, um, and literally shimomajano means I accidentally ate the whole thing. Which is great. I'd be saying that every day. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, uh, then there's another German one. This one is my favorite one. I wish this existed. I do know several. Backpfeifengesicht. Backpfeifengesicht. Pfeifengesicht is a face badly in need of a fist. <laughs> so someone has a backpfeifengesicht. Uh, 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 unless I'm pronouncing it wrong. Um, uh, Filipino, a giggle, giggle, or a giggle, giggle. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. It means the urge to pinch or squeeze something that is irresistibly cute. Yeah, so baby's cheeks perhaps are giggles. Yeah. Oh, okay, fair enough. I just, uh, I, I, you know, I was just trying to think of languages that I know and whether the whether there are words in there that don't translate. Yeah, there's another one here from Czech, but I don't know. I used to. Yeah, I know. I I I, I can I can pronounce it. I'm, I've never okay. heard of the word. So the the word is vibafnut. Vibafnut, and it means to jump out and say boo. <laughs> well, that's what it says here on this website. It does. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting it's list. I'm, I'm looking at the list in there. Like, you... I wonder if that's a verb. Like, do you vibafnut somebody? <laughs> he vibafnuted me. It's good huh. to go in the dark. Yeah. No. Ah. Oh, well, we uh, will. That's interesting. Um, there's a yeah. very long list of words, isn't it? There is a long list of wor words. Um, da, 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 da. Uh, boketo, Japanese. Um, the act of gazing vacantly into the distance, in the distance without thinking. So that's that's nice, boketo. So what, what, well, that's kind of. I mean, that, those kind of lists, you know, are again. Uh, I go back to what we say, don't we? If you can't translate them in English, what do you do? The universal translator. Does it give the yeah. whole definition? I guess it's the. And, and, I guess, and, yeah. yeah. Like, how would that work with a with a? I mean, there are, there aren't that. Aren't I that mean, I guess it's the same with um, the, the words that we. I mean, English does adopt foreign words. Um, uh, maybe they just appear as they are, and there's an assumption we'll we'll learn what what that word means. So yeah. 
but uh, but it's also the case for mistranslation. I mean, it's interesting. I think it was just yesterday in the British newspapers, as the British newspapers would, uh, were falling over themselves in fits of laughter, laughter about the the Spanish village or Spanish town that had um, used Google Translate. Uh, to name its festival um, and they were they were I think it was a it was a vegetable or something a festival of, of a various vegetable but they'd use translate and they, instead of getting the word they got the word clitoris so they were they were oh, they yeah, were yeah. advertising a clitoris festival now you see <laughs> I we didn't hear about that in Spain so that's very weird that's uh, interesting I mean I, it's quite it, it was pretty much in every online version of the UK newspapers I mean, no talk about translate probably uh, in terms of language teachers as well would be complete without a mention of uh, what was last year's number one app, I think, in the App Store, which is Duolingo. Um, Duolingo, of course, is an app. If you haven't heard about it, it's an app that works on the basis of translation. It argues that it is teaching languages, uh, but the method is purely translating, so translating sentences um, back and forth, and also uh, get encouraging users to translate other sentences, you know, in Czech translations, um, which also uh, gave rise to me hearing that uh, some of how Duolingo was making some of its money was was selling these translations generated for free by users than to, like, translation software companies. Did you hear that too, Sean? Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd heard that. And I, I know people that use Duolingo and are perfect, you know, um, the, the, the say very positive things about it. Yeah, I know a lot of people who love who love Duolingo? I always say to them, "Okay, tell me again in six months if you still love it, and then I then I'll then I'll believe you." I mean, I've tried it a little bit, but I got bored. And, and also, Duolingo yeah, was kind of Duolingo boring. is is you know another poster child for the whole gamification uh, story. You know, it does gamification quite well. It does get that little it, it creates that little kind of hit that you get from from doing it and getting a new badge. Um, Duolingo also to, a very kind of tuffle commute type thing here would be uh, to find some of the funnier sentences that Duolingo asks you to translate. So just as we were saying uh, about uh, odd translations, Duolingo is not immune. Um, there's a great website called WTF Duolingo. Uh, we'll put a link to it in the show. Here are some sample sentences that Duolingo has given people to translate where they get translated back. So here, uh, for example, translate, I am not healthy. Okay, that's all right. But I want to eat apples because they contain water. Um, I want a hard stone. Um, uh, uh, it's kind of almost, there's almost a flip back to the to the the life sentence episode with those. Well, yeah, it does sound like that. Yes, here are some other ones. Um, My mom wants to drink. Um, uh, da, 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 yeah, yeah, I know the, the circles that I keep on social network. I often see people posting these silly sentences, so they must be uh, they must yeah. be quite common. Yes, exactly. I like this other one. Are you eighteen? Here, think of a context for that sentence. <laughs> But I, I mean, as as we said, I don't think we're not we're not being critical of Duolingo. There are people that do like the app. That's true, and the people do do really like the app. Um, I also uh, we also heard on our episode last episode on life sentences that some of these sentences actually could become more memorable. For example, this one here: "Ich gebe meinem Bär Bier." I gave my bear beer. Okay, uh, very weird, but maybe it would help me remember ba. Bear, beer, or whatever the, the those two German words words. Mm, yeah, very very true, very true. When it comes up there, I was just um, uh, it'd be interesting to see again 
though I mean it was a popular it's got millions of views isn't it um, now will will an app like that suffer with the growth of translate and uh, Google Translate f because for example all um, in, in the new Android software uh, Google Translate is is native so it will translate within an app so um, if you use WhatsApp for example it will translate for you automatically and so if it in translates within an app would it not yeah. translate within Duolingo itself as soon as you start keying something in yeah. so oh that's true yeah yeah so it'd be interesting to see um, how how that con that continues um, um it's uh, this kind of bringing it full circle one of the other articles um when i when we found that google ad that we started with yeah. one of the other articles that i found was i think one that's um one that's kind of bought out every few months uh by the brits and of course is this idea that the brits don't need to learn a foreign language uh, you know, yes. and I, w I, I suspect this is getting closer and closer to being true. Um, well, certainly all the translation things would always work into English. I mean, that's going to be the first language tested out. English and Spanish and maybe English, Spanish, French, German would be the main languages. Or maybe there'll be more and more Chinese things now. Mm, but, sure. uh, yeah, it reminds me of that joke, what do you call someone who speaks three languages? Trilingual. What do you call someone who speaks two languages? Bilingual. What do you call someone who speaks one language? English no, or issue. American. <laughs> yes, this is the, another favorite, uh, favorite joke. Teaching is the profession that teaches all other professions. Author unknown. I think we're coming to the end of, a, of another episode here, Sean. Yeah, I think so. All right. Well, so. as always, if anybody has anything they'd like to comment on and what we said about uh, universal translators in science fiction and in science fact, about words that have no translation into English, about uh, is are these translation apps and devices and everything going to what do they get, what do they mean for language teachers? We'd love to hear from you either at our website www.teflcom Commute, sorry, com, or at our Facebook page or indeed on Twitter. You can find us at all those places. Sean, uh, is it time to say au revoir? It is, and it just reminded me, you didn't say at the beginning, this is a podcast about TEFL, which is that not about teaching, but might mention teaching. Oh, maybe should I try to say that in a language? Ça, c'est un podcast pour uh, des professeurs de langue, mais qui traitent pas de l'enseignement de langue doesn't sound quite as good, does it? Uh, sounds interesting. And on that note, it's probably time to say goodbye and see you again next time. Bye. As your commute is coming to an end, here's an activity you can take into class. This activity is a variation of the favourite broken telephone activity and works best with students who share the same language. Write a sentence in English on a piece of paper. Give it to a student who translates it and whispers the translation to the next student. The next student then translates it back into English and whispers the English to the next student. This person translates it into his or her own language and passes it on. Continue this way until you get the last sentence in English, which the student should write on the board. 
Is it the same as your original sentence? A version of this activity can be found in Philip Kerr's book, Translation and Own Language Activities, published by Cambridge University Press. You can find the instructions for this activity at our website, www.tefelcommute.com. You've been listening to The Tefl Commute, an original podcast produced and presented by Lindsay Canfield, Sean Walton and James Taylor. Don't miss out on any episodes by subscribing to us on iTunes and by visiting us at www.tefelcommute.com.